All right, get your Bibles ready, and I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to get there in just a moment. But I, I want to talk to you this morning about an age-old secret that is going to help you in encountering Jesus. And I, I just want to remind you of what fivefold ministry is supposed to do, what pastors are supposed to do. How many of you know it's not enough? You probably figured this out. It's not enough to come to church on Sunday and hear an inspirational message and then try to live your life the rest of the week. How many of you know that usually lasts till about Sunday night? Maybe. Maybe. The goal of shepherds, pastors, evangelists, teachers, apostles, prophets, the goal of fivefold ministry is to equip. And that word equip is a military term. It means to help you get ready for battle, which means it's not good enough just to hear it. You have to act on it. How many of you found that to be true, too? Just hearing the word profits very little. You have to act on the word. Like, you can hear a message, like last Sunday, what a great message Andrew shared about the lifeline of fellowship. That fellowship, like what we're doing right now, is a means by which God has ordained for us to receive strength in our time of need. How many of you know part of the discipline is sitting under the word of God? In other words, we listen to, the, to God's word every week. The the listening of the word corporately is to help us. How many of you know the people next to you that you say hi to, that you hug, that you greet, they're next to you to be like hot embers in the fire? When you have an ember next to you, it helps you stay hot. Uh, And that's the way it works. If you want to put a fire out, spread the embers. You with me? That's how you put a fire out. When you want to get a fire going, you get all the embers together and it gets nice and hot. What happens when we come together every Sunday? All the hot embers come together, a fire bursts out. You with me? So I'm just telling you, I need you, you need me, and you need the people sitting next to you. That's a means of grace. But here's the deal. If you don't show up at church, just like if you don't show up at the health club, you're never going to get muscles. They don't appear out of heaven. You don't say, God, give me spiritual muscles. No, they don't happen that way. You don't say, God, I want to be just like you, and it just happens because you prayed a prayer. It doesn't work that way. It requires discipline. You have to actually show up at the health club. I once heard it said the most unused piece of equipment at the health club is the front door. People get memberships, but they don't often show up. It just feels good to say, I'm a member. But it feels really bad when you show up and you start trying to work out your body. How many of you know, here's the deal, and I hear this, people say this all the time, you know, I'm just, I'm not just, I'm not being fed. Whose job is it to keep feeding yourself? It's just like if you came to church and this was a smorgasbord, and then you went home and you didn't eat anything all week long, and then you got mad at your pastor for not feeding you. Hello, open your stinking refrigerator, for God's sake, and feed yourself. Part of what we're trying to do in church is teach baby Christians how to be mature, godly people. And all of you are somewhere in that process. And so Andrew talked about fellowship, not only in like life groups and small groups, but in the corporate gathering. This is a lifeline of grace. Every single person needs to have a local church that they call home. Okay? Period. You must have a home. You can't just flutter around. You've got to have somewhere where you put roots down and where you establish yourself. This is so important. One of the first things you should do if you ever move to like Arizona 
picking on somebody, is find a great home church because that will be your lifeline in that area. Everything centers around that. Aaron, Pastor Aaron was talking about the Word of God. How many of you figured out? Did you, did you appreciate Amra's word for us today? Guess what Amra did? He quoted the Word of God. And we said, yes, we remember, remember, remember. And when he got done, what happened? Did anybody feel pumped up after that? What happened? We just ate the Bible. We just ate the promises of God like vitamins. And now we feel like we can take on the world. Isn't that amazing? But if you don't eat the word, you become spiritually anemic. And I'm going to talk to you this morning about an area, because I kicked off this series with, with a message called, uh, It All Starts With Prayer. Now, I just want, we're going to be completely transparent here this morning. Is that okay? Or at least I'm going to be completely transparent. I hope you'll follow. Prayer has not been one of my favorite things to do over the course of my life. I have struggled with prayer. I have become bored with prayer. I have started well. I'll hear somebody preach on prayer, and I'm like, I'm all after that. And I'll get up early. I heard somebody preach one time on how your eyes need to burn. You need to get up and feel the holy burn in the morning. And so I set my alarm for early in the morning. And my eyes were burning. And then after about two days of that, I got a cold and I was sick and in bed. And I'm like, this stinks. What is this all about? I went through the Larry Lee. Could you not tarry one hour? Anybody remember that? Could you not tarry one hour? And they had the formula and everything. And I tried to do that. I even listened to the teaching tapes in the car when we were on vacation. I mean, I listened to the whole teaching on prayer over and over and over again. But has anybody ever started off well, and then you, after a while, you're just like, this ain't working. I remember seeing somebody at the health club one time. It cracked me up. Because how many of you know it's not good enough just to show up? You got to know what you're doing when you get there. And that doesn't happen. Most of us just aren't born with this innate knowledge of what that machine does. So I saw somebody one time on a bench press machine that's leaning back this way, and you push the machine out this way, and they were on the machine this way and pulling it back like this, all right? That's not how you do that machine. And you can do that all you want, but you're only going to hurt yourself and look like a fool. And eventually, you're going to look in the mirror, and you're not going to see any progress. How many of you know the best thing to get you back to the health club is like if you start getting a muscle that starts appearing somewhere on your body, like, whoa. And then you flex it, and you're like, whoa. Or you put your shirt on, and it starts feeling tight in a good place, not in a bad place. You all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Sometimes we put our clothes on, and it, it, we're tight in the wrong spot. Other times we put our clothes on, and we're like, yeah, yeah, this shirt's feeling good. All right, you know what I'm talking about. Most people, if they don't approach prayer correctly, it becomes an exercise in futility and frustration. And here's the deal. It's like you go to the health club. If you don't see results, I promise you, your, your commitment level will go down the toilet. How many people start off with good intentions and then they meet frustration, they don't see impact, something's not right, and they just get frustrated and they say, you know what, I'm, I, this isn't for me. And I bet you there's some of you out here this morning that when it comes to prayer, spending time in the presence with, of God in prayer, that you've said, you know what, I tried that, I'm just not good at that. I'm going to let other people like Chris or others carry the prayer thing. I'm going to do what I'm good at. I, I'm, I'm good at serving, or I'm good at this, or I'm good at that. But how many of you know the whole point of prayer, and this is why the devil attacks it so much, 
The whole point of prayer is not to get an answer, but it's to encounter God. You cannot be saved by simply saying words. You are saved by an encounter with the living God that changes your life. This is very important. You do not grow in the Lord apart from ongoing encounters with God. You do not change apart from ongoing encounters with God. You could come to church every week and hang out here, and, and it's a good place because water, the, the waterfall is flowing. You might get wet, but you will not change at the core of your being apart from, listen to me, your personal encounter with the living God. Can you understand, amen, can you understand why prayer is so important? And can you also understand why the devil goes after your prayer life? Because that is your one-on-one encounter with the creator of the universe. Now let me ask you a question. It almost sounds blasphemous to even ask the question. Is God boring? God is the most dynamic being in the entire universe. We're going to spend all eternity pursuing the greatness of his being. Isn't that amazing? God is not boring. Is the Holy Spirit inside of you boring? No, the Holy Spirit is not boring. Now let me ask you a more trickier question. Are you boring? No, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. No, you are an exciting person. Okay, so God is not boring. The Holy Spirit is not boring. You are a dynamic, exciting person who is not boring. So why, when we mix all those three together, do we often end up with a boring encounter? That is the question of the hour. Let me suggest something to you. That even when you go to a health club, you have to have a workout regimen. It has to be a good one if you want to see results. I would like to suggest to you that it's not God's problem, the Holy Spirit's problem, or ultimately your problem, because I believe if you're like me, we have good desires and we really do want to have a great prayer life. So here's what I'm suggesting is the problem. Maybe the problem is our method. In other words, what do you do when you talk to God? Maybe it's our method. And here's the problem for most of us. Our method involves saying the same old things about the same old things over and over and over again. Now that is boring. Saying the same old things about the same old things over and over and over. Get your Bible out to Matthew 6 where I instructed you a moment ago. Matthew 6 verse 7. Listen to what Jesus said. He warned against this kind of praying that says the same things over and over and over about the same old things over and over and over. And I'm reading here from the New Living Translation. When you pray, Jesus said, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. What is babbling? Babbling is vain repetition without any content or focus, all right? They think their prayers are answered, Jesus said, merely by repeating their words again and again and again. Have you ever been around people like that? They maybe pray a certain prayer. I'm going to say the Lord's Prayer 15 times, and that's going to create some magic for me. Um, or, they, or they say, you know what, if you just quote this verse over and over and over again, God has to do it because it's right there, and you quote the verse over and over again like God's a roulette wheel or a slot machine. How I mean, you know God is not a slot machine? God is a being who wants to have communication and relationship with us. And Jesus says, stop babbling and stop vain repetition. 
What does he want us to do? He wants us to talk to God and to encounter God. Because here's why. Babbling leads to boredom. And routines often lead to rituals that are not life-giving. And if prayer becomes an empty ritual, what happens is it devolves into a duty instead of a delight. So, pastor, what are you saying to do? Well, this is what I'm saying. Some of you have prayer lists, and I'm not against prayer lists. Prayer lists help you pray for maybe specific people every day. You don't want to leave out people. I know Pastor Dick has prayer lists. He prays for our staff. He prays for our elders. Chris, maybe you employ some lists. There's nothing the matter with lists because Amra pointed out to us, lists help us remember things, all right? But here's what I found to be true. If your prayer life is just a recitation of a list, over and over and over and over at some point it is no longer life-giving you need to add something to your prayer life and what i'm going to share with you has been a secret from the saints throughout history this is not a gimmick this is not a fad this is a time-tested spiritual discipline uh, that i want you to get today what was the simple solution to the universal problem of saying the same old things about the same old things here's the solution pray the scriptures pray the scriptures and in particular what i'm going to share with you today pray the psalms and i'll tell you why to pray the psalms what first of all let me build a case for the why and then we'll get into the what and i just want to share with you this is not one of those inspirational messages although i hope you're inspired but my goal is not inspiration my goal is application today If you all leave and do what I'm asking you to do today, I promise you, you're going to see immediate results this week in your prayer life. And uh, and you're going to see growth. And what was once a duty will will grow to become a delight for you. And that's that's what my goal is. So why pray the scriptures? Point number one, the scripture keeps us focused on God's mission and not on our private concerns. Prayer becomes less and less about what we want God to do for me although that's always a part of biblical praying, but more and more about what God's trying to do through me to impact the earth. Isn't it interesting when you pray the scriptures, you're praying what's on God's heart. You're praying what God has revealed. Now, I've seen people that say stuff like this. You know what? I tried prayer and it it didn't work. I tried prayer and it didn't work. It does not do anything. God does things. It is the means that takes us to God. Prayer, if it's full of babbling and vain repetition, it doesn't do anything. God does everything. Are you hearing the difference? We have to elevate our prayer life to get beyond, how come God didn't do this for me? And how about this question? What is God requiring of me, and what would God like me to do to help his dreams come true? In the process, God says, if you'll seek first the kingdom, I will add things unto you that you need and that you want and that you desire. But what does he say first? Seek first the kingdom. How do we stay kingdom focused? You stay focused on the scriptures. Because the scripture contains the mission and the heartbeat of God Almighty. Does this make sense to everybody? So if you want to be God-centered, which is what our prayer life should be, and not me-centered, you might want to follow the script which is God's word, all right? First point, and it's an important point. Second point, when we pray God's words, this is good, our minds and our thoughts become immersed with his mind and his thoughts. How many of you know we have to learn the language of the Father? We have to learn how God talks. We have to learn how God thinks. How do you learn to think like God? Remember we said this in week one, what is the aim of all this 
these lifelines? What's the aim of all these spiritual disciplines? You know, you go to a health club, the aim is to get healthy. The aim is to get in shape. What is the goal that we're after in spiritual disciplines? Here's the goal. Godliness. Turn to your neighbor and say godliness. I want you to hear him. Godliness. God has called you to be like him. Think like him. React like him. Respond like him. See the world through his eyes. How does that happen if you are not in the Word of God and interacting with the thoughts of God. Does this make sense? That's why that song we sang this morning, man, had a, had a kick on it, had, a, had some anointing on it, because we were declaring what God says about us. You know, I opened my Bible this morning, and it started off with these words. God is my rock. That'll get your day going right there. God is my rock. You start declaring that, you start praying that back to him, you start thanking him that that's the reality, and guess what begins to happen on the inside of you? You start having a God encounter in here by way of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. It's powerful. So we need to develop the language of the Father, the thoughts of the Father, the mind of the Father, because this is important. Listen to what John 15 verse 7 says. If you abide in me and my words, everybody say my words. My words abide in you. Ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. How many of you know that part of receiving answered prayer is to be centered in the mind and thought of God, on the mission of God, and speaking the word of God so that it's part and parcel of our life? That's when God finds agreement between heaven and earth, and that's when God begins to move in response to our prayers to answer them. So it's very important that we shape our mind and thoughts around God's mind and thoughts. Number three, the praying of Scripture keeps us centered on the will of God. Let me ask you this question. Can you have any greater assurance that you're praying the will of God than when you're praying the Word of God? If you want to know the will of God, then pray the Word of God. Because the Word of God is in perfect agreement with the will of God. Some of you say, man, I'm not sure what God's will is on this matter. Get in the scriptures and let the scriptures guide you and you'll discover the will of God. Point number four, this is good. Praying the scripture helps to keep your mind focused. I love Amra's honesty this morning. Imagine having a phone conversation with somebody and setting the phone down during the conversation and forgetting where you put the phone. How many of you know we're messed up? Every one of us, we're messed up. We're forgetful. We're praying about the great things of the universe, and all of a sudden, some little thought flies right through our head and gets us completely distracted. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, guess how you keep from being all over in your prayer life? You go to the next verse, (laughs) and you read the next verse, and you get your focus back on what God is saying to us. If we don't do this, our minds wander, and you find yourself praying autopilot prayers. Lord, bless so-and-so, and bless so-and-so, and bless me, and bless this, and bless that. And if, you, if someone asked you one second after you said amen what you just prayed about, you'd be at a loss for words. Those are called autopilot prayers. You're not focused. You don't have a clue. You left your phone somewhere, and the conversation kept going on, and you don't even know what's being said because we've lost our focus. But when you pray the Bible, your mind has a place to focus. 
Jesus prayed the Bible. You all remember when he was on the cross? Remember when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What was he doing? Where did that, where did that thought come from? It came from the Psalms. He was, Jesus quoting directly Psalm 22, verse 1. And later he said, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. Where did that thought come from? Well, he was quoting Psalm 31, 5. How many of you know Jesus, as the Word incarnate, was immersed in the Bible? And he was the word incarnate. Jesus read the Bible. And what came out of him at his darkest hour was the word of God. Isn't that powerful? I mean, you know, if Jesus can quote the Bible, we should quote the Bible. If Jesus should confess the scripture and pray the scripture back to the Father, I think that's a good plan for us as well. Number six, check this out. The early church prayed the scriptures. In Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 24, Peter and John are threatened by the council to shut up, quit preaching the gospel, stop, stop declaring that Jesus Christ is the Lord, Jesus Christ is Savior. And they have that famous line back to the Sanhedrin. They said, look, you tell us whether we should obey you or whether we should obey God. Uh, and they went on and they gathered together with the church in prayer. And I want you to see what happens. Read with me in uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 24. When they heard the report, that means all the believers, they lifted their voices together in prayer to God. Now, this is some good theology here. Check this out. Oh, sovereign Lord. That's a great way to start your prayer. Creator of the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything. How many of you know you're starting really big? Anything below that is is minuscule when you start big like that. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through your ancestor David, your servant, saying, listen to what they're doing here. They're quoting the Psalms. Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. Check this out. When they felt opposition coming against them, what's the first thing that triggered in their mind? Psalm 2. What were they doing? They were applying a contemporary situation to a psalm and finding strength from what had happened in the past. The Bible goes on to say in verse 4, but the Lord who rules in heaven laughs. This was the whole context for their courage was remembering that God had said through David that Wicked rulers are going to constantly be coming against the Lord. Wicked rulers are going to constantly be shaking their fist against God. But they declare what God said. And check out out the way that their prayer was directed. It's completely different than the way many of us would think to pray today. Look at verse 27. In fact, this has happened in our very city. They are applying Psalm 2 to their very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles... And the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And look at their prayer request in verse 29. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May your miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Here's what's astonishing. They didn't pray for protection. They prayed for boldness. That's stunning. If we were being persecuted, if people were after us, if we were being threatened, how many of you might think, I'm going to pray for protection? 
You know why you're going to want to pray for protection? Because we are infallibly self-centered. What did they do? They said, people have raised their fist in opposition against Jesus in the past. They're doing it now. Give us boldness to preach Jesus anyway. Can you see how the pattern of Scripture and the familiarity with God's Word provided the track for them to pray according to the will of God to see God's will accomplished irrespective of threat to their personal being? Does anybody want to be fearless in here? Be a person of, this, of the Word of God. Does anybody want to conquer some fear? My wife and I this week, we read Psalm 27 together. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Thank you, Lord, that you are my light. You provide light in the midst of darkness. You show me where to go. You're my Savior, God. You deliver me from all of my obstacles, challenges, trials. Who shall I fear? Thank you, God. We will move in boldness today. That's how you pray according to what God says, and you apply it to what you're going through. There's not a one of us in this room that doesn't deal with fear. Every one of us does. Why do we have the Psalms? Because David dealt with fear. But David showed us how to pray the mind and the heart of God in the midst of a tough situation. And lastly, let me bring this point up. There are many passages of Scripture that are simply prayers. When we read the Bible, we're reading prayers. Look, take a look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. This is the Apostle Paul praying. He says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. When you come to that verse, how do you pray that verse? This is what you do. You stop reading and you say, Lord, I ask you that my life, my heart would overflow more and more with your love and that, God, you would keep growing in me a sense of your knowledge and understanding so I might know you and love you and properly live for you. That's how you pray the scripture. It's right there helping us, leading us, guiding us. Now, I love reading history, and one of the things I would encourage you all to do is read Christian biographies. Read Christian biographies. You'll find strength in what other men and women have gone through in previous generations. In fact, it'll make you do this because you realize that what many of them went through, like what we're going through, kind of pales in comparison. Are you with me? Like when my wife's hugging a lady who spent a year in prison in Vietnam for sharing Jesus and they want us to pray for them, we're like, uh, we will, but could you please offer a prayer back for us? Um, because you realize, what, am I, what do I have to offer compared to what you're walking through? You need to come and minister to me and help me be more courageous. All right, I love one of my favorites is George Mueller. Pick up, pick up a book about George Mueller. Great German saint. He saw orphans on the street everywhere. He said, God, what are you going to do about all these orphans on the street? And basically God said, what are you going to do about all these orphans on the street? And he started taking in orphans and feeding them. And then he started running out of money. And he said, God, um, these kids cost money. As every parent in this room can say a hearty amen, all right? These kids cost money. And God says, I know. Why don't you ask me? And he started going before the Lord and asking him to help. And guess what God started doing? Miraculously feeding orphan kids to the point where at one time in his ministry, feeding over 10,000 mouths. How did he fund the ministry? Through prayer. And you read the story after story of this man, the miraculous accounts of how God sent food, how God sent money, how God sent milk, how God fed and cared for orphans, all because one man was willing to get before God and pray. 
But this is what George Mueller said. He said, I used to start my day in prayer. And my mind would wander, and I was dry, and I wasn't getting anywhere. And he came across something that changed his prayer life forever. This is what he wrote, and I want to read it to you. He said, I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business which I ought to attend every day was this. You ready for this? To have my soul happy in the Lord. Think about this for a minute. I'm giving you some help. The first thing we should do upon awakening is to get in the presence of God with this goal, to be happy in God. Because how many of you know we're good for nothing to anyone else if we're not happy, satisfied, content, and full of joy in God? So that was his goal. Look at how he achieved his goal. He says, the first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord, how I might glorify the Lord, how I might, but this, how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner person might be nourished. For I might seek to set the truth before the unconverted. I might seek to benefit believers. I might seek to relieve the distressed, and yet not be happy in the Lord, and not being nourished and strengthened in my inner man day by day. All this might be attended to in a right spirit. But here's what he wrote. Now I saw that the most important thing I had to do was give myself to the reading of the word of God and to the meditation on it that thus my heart might be comforted, encouraged, warned, reproved, instructed, and that thus, while meditating, my heart might be brought into an experiential communion with God. The whole goal of reading the Scriptures was to encounter God. Not to gain head knowledge about the Bible, but to encounter the God of the Bible. Are you hearing me? So that when you read those truths, your heart gets awakened from slumber. You, you start to see fear leave you. You start to see discouragement leave you. You start to see faith arise in your heart. You start to get happy in the joy of the Lord. Your problems start to shrink. God starts to expand. Are you all know what I'm talking about? And you get happy on the inside. How many of you know the Bible says a happy heart is like medicine? It heals you. The joy of the Lord becomes your strength. Where everywhere that you go, when you encounter things, you now have an internal strength inside of you that helps propel you through whatever it is that you're going through. And so he went on to say that from that point on, he never began praying to God without first reading the Scriptures back to God. Because it was the Scripture that provided him with the mind and thought and will and focus and mission of God and that awakened his heart to pray better. Start with the scriptures. Now, I'm going to be quick here as we close. How do you pray the scriptures? Well, isn't it interesting that out of the 66 books in our Bible, one book located right in the center, if you open up your Bible and you just let it fall right in the middle, guess what, you're going to, what book you're going to fall on? The Psalms. I think there's a reason for that. The Psalms are the heart and soul of the scriptures. Don't you love listening to David pour out his raw unfiltered heart to God in the Psalms. If you want to know what real people going through real struggles are like, read the Psalms. They're not candy-coated. They're not filtered. David says, God, where are you? Anybody ever felt that way? Uh, David lays it right out there, and it's the most real stuff. In fact, the book of Psalms in the Hebrew, it literally means the book of praises. And it's appropriately located right in the center of our Bibles because it is the book that gives praise and thanksgiving to God. 
150 prayers and praises. And some people are convinced that the the Psalter, the Psalms, are the most important book in the Old Testament. Well, Pastor, why would you say that? Listen to this. In the New Testament, the Psalms show up being quoted more than any other book in the Bible. In fact, listen, out of the 260 chapters in the New Testament, the Psalms are used and quoted over 400 times. How many of you know the Psalms were the heart and soul of saints throughout the ages? And the Psalms should be our heart and soul. So here's what I want you to do. I'm closing with this. I'm wanting you this week to pray each day. I want you to pray a Psalm. If you want to start off with Psalm 1, great place to start off. Psalm 1. Open it up. In fact, I'm going to model this. Get your Bible out. Psalm 1. We're not going to go through the whole Psalm, but we're going to model this. You're going to find a quiet place. You're going to open up your scripture. You're going to pray something like this. Lord, open my eyes to see the beauty and glory of you and your word. And strengthen me, Lord, as I partake of your fellowship right now in Jesus' name. And then you go to Psalm 1. Now I'm reading again from the New Living Translation. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. Pause right there. Selah. What are some things that come to your mind? This is what I would be praying. Lord, that's why I'm here before you. I have no desire to follow the counsel of the wicked. God, I hunger for you. God, I hunger to know your ways. God, I thank you that you promise joy to your servants who follow your ways. See what I'm doing? I'm just communicating my heart on that passage to the Lord. Now, if you read a verse and nothing jumps out in that verse, let me give you a secret hint. Go to the next verse. Go to where you strike oil. But read that psalm. There are six verses there. And look at what it says. We'll be like trees planted along the riverbank. We're going to bear fruit in every season. If you're in a dry season, you say, Lord, I'm in a dry season. I I don't feel like I'm fruitful right now. But your word says, if I'll meditate on your word, if I will pursue you, God, I will bear fruit every season of my life. And so look, if you come across something that speaks of who God is, pause there and worship God. If you come across something that gives you instructions, then say, Lord, I will obey this instantly. If you come across a verse that brings conviction in your life because you feel like you've not been doing that, what do you do? You repent and you ask the Lord to forgive you. When you come across a promise of God, what do you do? You latch a hold of that promise in faith and you begin to thank the Lord because he's no respecter of persons and he's talking to you. Oh, Lord, who would you give that promise to? To you. You're reading the prayer book of the saints throughout the ages. And God's going to fill you with faith. God's going to give you just what you need for that day. God's going to speak to you. You know, how many times we say this? You know, Lord, bless my kids. And there's nothing the matter with saying, Lord, bless my kids. But Lord, bless my kids can become vain babbling if you're not careful. When you're reading, though, and it says, the Lord is my shield. Now listen to how you pray for your kids. Father, thank you that you are a shield around my children. God, thank you 
that you're guarding the destiny over my children's lives. Lord, thank you that when they're out of my sight, they're never out of your sight. God, thank you that you're a shield from the attack of the enemy against my family, my marriage, uh, my church family, and your purposes will be accomplished. Thank you, God, that you're a shield. You all understand the difference? You just prayed for your kids, but you just moved from saying the same old thing about the same old things into praying now from the vantage point of a shield around your kids. Do you know that with 150 psalms, you will never get bored praying the same thing in your quiet time ever again. And you will find God meeting you and opening up certain portions of Scripture to you and showing you things that you've never seen before. And it's as simple as this. Uh, What is the day of the month tomorrow? I think it's the 29th, right? Maybe you start with Psalm 29 tomorrow. The point is this. There is a Psalm for every uh, day of the month and then some. 150. Another great place to read, as Pastor Dick said, Proverbs. Read a psalm in the morning and read a proverb before you go to bed at night and turn the truth of what you just read into prayer back to God. What you'll find is God will speak to you. God will encourage you. You'll feel warmth inside your spirit. What's that all about, Pastor? That's your heart coming alive to God. And the more and more you encounter him, the more addicted you get to his presence. I pray every one of you in this room will be absolute addicts. You'll be junkies. You have to get your fix every day. You, you, you start having withdrawal symptoms if you didn't pray the Psalms every morning. Are You know what I'm talking about. And get out of the religious thing where you've got to get up at this time and you've got to read this many verses. And, come on. Make it your goal from somebody who had documented something like 20,000 documented answers to prayer over the course of his life. His goal every day was to encounter the love and the greatness and the mercy and the goodness of God personally so that his heart was on fire. Isn't that good? Every day, get your heart on fire. Next week, we're going to talk about another time-tested principle on how to keep throwing gasoline on the fire of your affection for God. Enjoy God every day. Enjoy God and let his word bring strength to everything that you go through that day and bring confidence in your life. Listen, here's what I'm after. If we practice this as a church family, your leadership trajectory is going to do one of these things. And you know what? The more godly people you have in a church, the more fruitful you are, the more impactful you are, the more people you have to minister to people because every one of you have found your path to encounter God every day. This is, so, this is, this is a lifeline. In fact, the, the psalm I read today, the psalmist said this, David said this, God, if you don't talk to me, I might as well just die. That's a great way to start your prayer life. God, if you don't talk to me, I might as well die. That's somebody that understands that an encounter with God is more valuable than oxygen. And you know what? People that approach God like that, they get changed. Stand to your feet. I want to pray together. Hallelujah. How many of you, I'm not looking for a show of hands like, how many of you in this room? are alive right now. Raise your hand. No, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm asking for a genuine, if you don't have grace to do this, no condemnation. I'm not taking notes. You're you're not being videoed. 
But how many of you with me, I'm going to lead, how many of you with me will read a psalm a day and turn it into a prayer this week, just for practice? In fact, if you're in your life groups, you're going to do that this week. That's, that's the life group assignment, is to select a psalm and pray through it together and encounter God together, all right? Get your hands up if you're with me on this. We're going to ask for strength. Lord, we're reaching out to this lifeline, time-tested, unbreakable cord of grace, the Word of God. We're asking you to impact us this week, encounter us, change us, strengthen us, envision us, use us for your glory. We pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hey, no marriage class today, but marriage class beginning next week, and it's going to be awesome. We're going to continue on this series of love and respect. So come on out for that. If you need prayer today, come on down, all right? We want to pray for you, all right? Have an amazing week. Get encountered by God.